Next on Abounding Grace, learn how to run the race of faith. You have been given a lane in your race, and you need to stay in your lane. You need to stay in your lane. I know there are times when you wish you had that person's race, and you wish you had that person's race, and why are they over there, and I want that lane, and I don't like my lane. But God says, I want you to run your race, your race. You're not supposed to run someone else's race. It's your race. It's your walk with the Lord. It's your ability to relate to God on a personal level. And notice, you're to run your race with endurance. This is amazing grace. Glad you could join us for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Maybe like many, you tuned in to watch the Olympic Games. But what you may not have noticed is how the athletes prepared. Sure, there were countless hours of practice, but they also, in many cases, watched their diet very closely. They had to give some things up in their life, too. It required dedication and persistence. Well, today, Pastor Ed is going to show us how to run our race in life. And he's noticed eight things that will help us do that in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, as we started a brand new chapter in our verse-by-verse study of Hebrews, and I've entitled our message today, Looking Unto Jesus. Looking Unto Jesus. So in chapter 11, we were studying the Hall of Faith, so encouraging, person after person after person, faithful men and women, running the race that was set before them, and they finished well. They had no Bible, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit, no baptism of the Spirit, no technology, no New Testament, no new covenant, but they endured and they ran their race and they finished. And how did they finish? By faith. The same way you and I are going to finish. We may have all these extra things they didn't have, but we're going to finish the same way. We're going to finish by faith. And now their lives their true stories, their victories revive our souls and encourage our weary hearts. They made it, and because they made it, I can make it too. So let's pick up in chapter 11, verse 39, for the sake of some context. And remember, the chapter breaks and the verses were added much later. So when this was written, you just read it straight through. So notice chapter 11, verse 39. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're going to learn today how to run the race. We've already learned that we're in a race. When you and I were born again, we immediately entered into the race of faith. Our life changed. 
And now our motive for living is to please the Father. And Paul, the author of Hebrews, uses this picture, this metaphor to describe our life. And it's described as a race. Now remember, this race isn't typically run like we normally would think where we're in a race and the whole goal is to win it and beat everyone else. It's not the way that we're running this race. You know, like if you were running a typical race and you were running along and you saw someone slip or fall or trip up a little bit, you're kind of thinking, oh, too bad for them. And you run as fast as you can because it gives you a little bit of an advantage. Well, there's no such thing as advantage when it comes to the race of life. If you see in this race, this race of faith, somebody stumble, you don't keep running, you stop. You go and help them. Because in this race of life, it's not winning that's the motive, it's finishing. And it's not just finishing, it's finishing with as many other people as possible. The people that you connect with. So today we're going to learn at least eight things that are going to help you run your race. They're instructions, they're admonitions, they're commands. These are things you and I must do as we run this race of life. Start out in verse 1 where it says, We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This is encouraging. We're reminded right away that as we're running this race, we're not alone. We have this cloud of witnesses. Now, don't think of this as a stadium filled with saints all around us cheering us on. As if, like in the clouds, all those men and women that died before us are just cheering us on. Come on, you can do it. No, here the encouragement comes in our lives as we consider the many men and women that ran their race well. You know, when you're interpreting something, when you have to ask a question, well, who is this cloud of witnesses? When you ask a question of the Bible, you need to answer it within the context of where it was written. Context. That's so important with the Bible. If you don't pay attention to context, then you're going to make the Bible, or you have, a, you have the possibility of making the Bible say something that it doesn't say. And you know people that do that all the time. They take a verse out of context. Context is very important. So in order to discover the context, you stay right where it's written and you look what was said beforehand and you look what was said afterward and usually 99% of the time you'll be able to gain what the meaning of that verse is. So when we look at this, this one's an easy one. When you think of this cloud of witnesses, the context is very clear. If you look beforehand, it's the entire chapter 11 of Hebrews. So the context of this cloud of witnesses are all those men and women in the hall of faith that finished their race well. That's the interpretation. The application, now that we know that there are people that have gone before us, the application is, well, there's a lot of people that cheer us on, that encourage us as we think of their example. You know, some of you have grandparents, great-grandparents. Some of you, your parents are encouraging you that have gone before you, finished their race well. The whole Bible is filled with true believers that have faced great adversity but still finished their race by faith. They're our motivation. This is what moves us. We're to run the race like they did, always trusting, never giving up. Like one commentator put it, and I quote, they knew how to run the race of faith. 
They opposed Pharaoh. They forsook the pleasures and prerogatives of his court. They passed through the Red Sea. They shouted down the walls of Jericho. They conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, received back their dead by resurrection, were tortured, mocked, scourged, imprisoned, stoned, sawn in two, and had to dress in animal skins. They were made destitute all for the sake of their faith. And their witness is ex- are examples to us. They're not just mere onlookers. They're examples. And they have proved their testimony. They've proved by their testimony. They've proved by their witness that the life of faith is the only way to live life. In these first couple verses, we learn how to run wisely so that you too will be a great testimony to others. So that your life as well will encourage others. Others that you may never meet, you may never know that your life encouraged, but because you've run your race well, you encourage others. So there are eight things here listed if you're taking notes. Number one, in running your race, number one, lay aside every weight. You must lay aside every weight. Now this makes sense, especially with this picture of running. A person that's in a race doesn't add weight to themselves when they're running. They do the exact opposite. They want to be as light as possible. I think of those racing on bicycles or motorcycles. They try to make them as light as possible. They create new composites and things so that not only are they the lightest, but they're also the most aerodynamic. Why? Because they want to go as fast as they can with the least amount of effort. And so it is with your life and mine. You must lay aside the weights that are holding you back spiritually. You have to lay aside those things that aren't helping you run your race, that aren't helping you please the Father. Anything that weighs us down, diverts our attention, saps our energy, waters down our passion has to go. This is non-negotiable. These eight things are non-negotiable. As you look at them and examine your life, see, that's the point. You, I think the whole banner of this section is this. You need to learn to examine your life regularly. I know people are sent into your life to tell you, hey, man, this isn't right, brother. This isn't right, sister. And then you get all defensive and you go, oh, you can't tell me. Well, you know what? Nobody would have to tell you if you'd examine your own life. Then God would never send anybody to you. You wake up in the morning, you go, hey, Lord, where am I with you? I am open to your spirit. And God says, here, you got to lay this aside. You know the problem is, you don't want to lay anything aside. You want to run your race your way. But see, it's not your race. It's God's race. He's enlisted you and you have been put into the race, not just for yourself, but for others. We need to lay aside every weight. Number two, we also need to lay aside, notice in verse one, the sin that so easily ensnares us. We need to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. Look, the weights in life are just bothersome and bulky. They get in the way. They trip us up. They make things harder. But sin, sin stops the race completely. It arrests your progress. You will not make progress holding on to sin, known sin in your life. I'm not talking about the everyday stumbles that we have and difficulties. You know, we, we repent, we get back up and run. But when you hold on to known sin, and you don't lay it aside, that, that means you acknowledge it, you repent, and you forsake it, then you're going to have a hard time running your race if you're running even at all. 
All sin is a hindrance to Christian living. All sin. But I want you to notice carefully back in verse 1, he says, lay aside every weight and notice, and the sin. There is a specific sin that you need to watch out for. All sin is going to hinder you. and We got to deal with it all. But there is a specific sin that you and I must watch out for. It's the sin, particular sin. And you think, well, what could that be? Once again, we get the answer to that in context. And I believe looking at the context, this particular sin is referring to the sin of unbelief. That's what we've been studying in chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You can't please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without all that. By faith, the sin that you really need to watch out for is the sin of unbelief. I guess you could put it this way. The cradle of all other sin is unbelief. Sin is birthed. Other sins are birthed in the sin of unbelief. Think about it. The whole world was plunged into sin by unbelief. That's what happened to Eve. God gave her a word, and she didn't believe it, which made her vulnerable to believe the lies of the devil, which led her to be tempted, which led her to sin. And the whole thing was repeated with Adam, and through Adam's sin, the whole world was plunged into sin. It's the same progress that you and I see. Unbelief, a lack of trusting in God, will get us all in trouble. If there's one specific sin that hinders the race of faith, it's unbelief. It's doubting God, not believing God at His Word. And unbelief trips up more believers than just about any other sin, lacking that submittive trust in the Lord. Let me give you number three. How are we to run this race? Number three. We're to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. By the way, that word ensnare, if you like to write in your Bibles, means trap. The idea is that you are trapped, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, maybe falling into a hole and you can't get out. Or maybe a bear trap that grabs a hold of your leg and you'll never get out of it. It traps you. And then here, number three, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. We need to run with endurance. Now, there's a couple things here that you see. Number one, you need to run the race. You need to run your race. And this is important for us to grasp because every one of us have our own unique relationship with Jesus Christ individually. You notice you're supposed to run the race that's set before you. So this has everything to do with con contentment. And just knowing God, I, I guess you could put it this way. You, you, need, you have been given a lane in your race and you need to stay in your lane. You need to stay in your lane. I know there are times when you wish you had that person's race and you wish you had that person's race and why are they over there and I want that lane and I don't like my lane. But God says, I want you to run your race. Your race. You're not supposed to run someone else's race. It's your race. It's your walk with the Lord. It's your ability to relate to God on a personal level. And notice, you're to run your race with endurance. Endurance. And this is the familiar word that has been repeated multiple times in our study. It's the Greek word, hupomone. It means to bear under, up under the weight of a circumstance. It doesn't speak so much in describing in the Bible of bearing up and enduring people, but rather things or circumstances or difficulties. People might be the author, origin of them, 
but it's an, you have need in this race of life to endure. Well, notice back in chapter 10, just turn back a page or two in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. This was the last time we looked at this word, where Paul tells the Hebrews when they're tempted to go away, they're tempted to walk away, they're tempted to backslide, they're tempted to turn their back on Jesus. Here's what he tells them. He tells them and he tells us, for you have need of endurance. It's the same word. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Again, if you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that word endurance and you can write next to it persistence. You need to run your race persistently. You could also write next to it determination. You need to run this race, your race, staying in your lane persistently and with determination. I think of the time that Jesus spoke about that persistent widow. She would not give up. She would not back down. Persistence, determination. Also, the idea is bearing up under pressure. And I know pressure is increasing and increasing and increasing because life is challenging. When we run our race, it's hard and it's challenging and it's difficult. We need to learn to bear up under the load, to persevere. It speaks of a constancy and a continual progress. It, it has the idea of learning how to wait on God. But not only waiting on God, a cleaving to Him and His will for your life. And not only a cleaving, but an endurance. An endurance. A brave resistance that honors God. Here's one of the Greek uh, dictionary's definitions, and I quote, It simply means to hold out. The concept of the courageous endurance which defies evil. Unlike patience, so comparing to the word patience, it has an active content to it. It includes active and energetic resistance to hostile power, though no assertion of success is guaranteed. So you resist and you resist and you resist and you might even feel like I'm making no progress. Well, you're learning to endure. You could put it this way. Endurance is at the center of the Christian's life in every facet. Endurance is at the center of the life of the believer. It's the decision that you won't cave in and you won't quit and you won't run away and you won't abandon your family or your friends. You won't choose to fall to the schemes of the wickedness of the evil, of the enemy and all his evil. You won't retreat in fear you won't run away. Every single believer that's ever run away has come to the same conclusion. They're running away from their problems only to find out that they were the problem and everywhere they went, well, there were more problems. If we had an opportunity for those of you that have run away and you came up and shared testimony, you'd share the same thing. I thought I was getting away from the difficulty, but I took it with me. And when I arrived at my destination, I found out it was just as hard there as it was where I ran from. And even worse, because now it's more, I'm involving more people and more problems and more difficulties. No, the answer is not to run away. It's to stand fast. That's the believer's call. And that's the word of God to someone listening. Here in the room, maybe online, on the radio, God has spoken to you. You've been praying and asking God, what's going on, God? What's happening in my life? And the word of God to you is, 
hupomone. Never forget it. You won't forget that word. I mean, you, you just don't go to Safeway and say, can I have a loaf of bread and milk and give me some hupomone? You don't do that. Because hupomone comes from God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It comes as you choose, like Jesus said, to abide in him. <laughs> when you and I abide in Christ, even as Pastor Ian was leading us today and he asked us to raise our hands and surrender it, it, in a very real way to give things or to speak things that we just need to surrender, choosing to abide. The Bible, Jesus promises if we abide in him, he abides in us. And it's in that relationship that power, spiritual power is infused into your life and mine. It's not our own. It, it's not how the world teaches. Be careful. It's not how the world teaches. Just, just bite your lip and just make it. Just, just wait till it passes. No, no. For the believer, the believer understands it may never pass. But we trust the God who helps us. <laughs> it may never pass. You know, some of you are waiting for something to pass. You're waiting. Well, you know what? My hope is it's going to get better. No, the Bible actually says it's going to get worse. Well, well, my hope is, is this is going to pass. In another few years, well, no, no, no. Your hope is in the wrong place. Your hope can only be, true hope can only be placed in Jesus Christ. That's it. If you're hoping in a circumstance or a situation to come, you're living in perpetual disappointment because your hope is in the Lord. Hope is a person, not an activity. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace with three of the eight things that will help us run our race. First, we're to lay aside every weight, then lay aside sin, and finally run with endurance. Pastor Ed, as you were just talking about the endurance needed to run this Christian race, I couldn't help but think of those that are wanting to give up right now or throw in the towel. Life has been so difficult lately. What sort of encouragement can you leave them with today? Well, Larry, I want to encourage those listening right now that things do get better. Uh, time with the Lord, trusting in the Lord will help you endure the difficulty of today, and things do get better, even if things get worse here on earth. You know, because sometimes you get that encouragement, right, that, oh, things are going to get better, things get better, and then you look at your life and you're like, you know, things are not getting better. Um, and it really does matter how we approach the difficulties of life because things are going to get better because the Lord is coming back. The Lord is faithful. A relationship with Jesus will get you through day by day. And can I just remind you, uh, when you're thinking about things getting better, you know, that phrase, can I remind you what, what Jesus said? Jesus said not to worry about tomorrow. And I think sometimes we place greater emphasis upon our, upon our difficulties because we're worried about what about tomorrow? What about next week? What about next year? What about my entire life? And that's just too much for us to handle. We, we aren't able or capable of handling the future because it's not here yet. Um, we're not sure what's going to happen. And I know this is simple counsel, but it's important. It's something that I have to learn myself to apply into my life every day. I need to be reminded by the Lord not to worry about today. I mean, remember what Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Sometimes that other master is worry. You know, I know the context, you guys are listening, oh, Ed, that's about can't serve money and God. I, I get that. But the, but the reality of anything and God and worry sometimes, like controlling the future, can be a big deal um, that saps our energy today. So I'm sorry you're going through difficult times right now. 
lean into the faithfulness of God. Allow him to encourage and strengthen you day by day, moment by moment. So good. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend, if you'd like to hear this message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe you've noticed the enemy is constantly trying to fill your mind with destructive thoughts. It could be fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, or temptation. But you can win this battle of your mind, and author Louis Giglio explains how in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store calvaryco.store. It's your generous gift that allows us to provide Bible teaching on stations like this one all across the country. It's not the size of your contribution that matters. Large or small, it's making a difference by God's abounding grace. You can donate to the ministry at aboundinggraceradio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.